From San Francisco, California, I'm Frank Ling, and you're listening to the Rock Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and the way it affects our daily lives. Coming up with today's show, social networks, and viral marketing. Welcome back to the Grok Science Show. We're joined again this week with Terry Che, Director of Features Engineering at the Wikipedia and classmate buddy at Caltech. Uh, welcome back. And uh, Terry, so what's the next big thing in the web? Okay, so I'll kind of give a tutorial because it's simple stuff that everyone can kind of understand. But I'll, I'll tell you a story. And this story dates back actually to my previous company. I worked at a company called Automatic. They do a product called WordPress that a lot of people are familiar with. Mm -hmm. And I used to have this fun little story. I told people at the company, I made a, like a five-minute presentation where I talk about it. And it's actually not starts with that company. It starts with a previous company where I had a CEO who once said that there are some companies that are born lucky and some companies have to make their luck in, in the internet world. Mm -hmm. uh, like a company like Hotmail or Facebook or WordPress, those are companies that were born lucky. Mm -hmm. And a company like a, 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 a Zynga or a, a RockU or a Yelp or a LinkedIn, um, these companies had to make their luck. Mm -hmm. Okay, And that sounds really nice, but I always wondered, you know, what does this really mean? So here's like an explanation of that. Okay, um, You know, what I did is I started from the days of the... Uh, the first dot-com boom. And the idea is, in the first idea is that in those days before the crash in 2000, the idea was, you the concept, I mean, there was marketing crap put on top of it, but the concept was you built a better mousetrap, mm -hmm. and then um, people beat a path to your door, right? Okay. And then, um, then, then what you do in a traditional sense that isn't the new economy is you use marketing to protect that position. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then somewhere around 99 or so that kind of got reversed and in the normal world, right, this is how you do things and if you look at the advertising budgets of Starbucks or Apple or McDonald's or Coca-Cola, they're much larger now as a fraction of their, uh, of their total budget. Uh, obviously, they're much larger now in absolute terms, but they're much larger even as a fraction of their total budget the than they were. Budget. Their marketing budget is now uh, than it was when they started up, than okay. when Apple was starting up, than, than when McDonald's was starting up, or any of these companies were starting up. Uh -huh. They're probably spending a bigger share of their budget now on marketing now. Okay. And so marketing, in a traditional sense, was used to protect your position. But around 99, that got backwards. The idea was like the web 1.0 idea is one I'm going to make a super bowl commercial like mm -hmm. do the marketing number 2 something random happens question marks number 3 profit right right you know the underpants gnomes guy to uh, to web 1.0 companies yeah. do a super bowl commercial uh based on dog food um 
you know, uh, steal underpants or whatever, make a Super Bowl commercial, who knows what happens in between, and then I get profit. And it got to the point in, in by 99, we were having commercials of people doing uh, sock puppets telling you that, um, <laughs> that literal sock puppets telling you that um, somehow they're going to make money on a 40-pound bag of dog food being shipped to your home in terms of volume. Right, uh -huh. uh, at a super cheap rate. Right, and then um, so for some strange reason, somehow around two thousand, that failed. God mm -hmm. knows why. Maybe because you can't make money on a forty-pound shipping a forty-pound <laughs> bag of dog food. So, um, so VC stopped poning up millions of dollars on these crazy Super Bowl commercials featuring a sock puppet. <laughs> but um, what do you do about marketing? You're still trying to create a business. How do you reach the customer? Yeah. And Web 2.0 came out, and people call about social web or social marketing or all this sort of uh -huh. stuff, social networking. But the real concept is uh, what a concept that um, that a classmate of ours came up with by accident, Sabir Bacha, which is in Hotmail, viral marketing. Mm -hmm. So in viral marketing, uh, people often use this interchangeably with word-of-mouth marketing. Right. Right? And I asked you before, what's the difference? And we talked about it for a while. Right. And because word of mouth marketing has been here long before the word viral marketing existed. Okay. So what what's the difference? And the real difference was that um, that um, in viral marketing, the very act of people using your product brings more people to your product. So the very act of your customer using your product mm -hmm. creates more customers. Right. See, in word of mouth marketing, I use a good hair gel. I don't know. Uh -huh. And I tell people this is the coolest hair gel ever. <laughs> and so, but it's not hair. the act of using the hair gel gets more people to buy the hair gel or whatever. Right. People would be like, they're going to be like, why you're a greasy bleep or something, right? Word of mouth marketing, I, it's not my act of using it. But in viral marketing, the act of people using the website brings more people to the website. And that's a feedback loop. So the more people you have using the website, the more people are. That is actually a first-order difference equation, mm -hmm. right? And in that sort of thing, and, and to just give you an idea, just remember back in the days of Hotmail. There, the way it worked was at the bottom of every email, any Hotmail customer sent, it said, want free email, sign up for a Hotmail account, right? Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? And what happened is the act of people using Hotmail mm -hmm. to email their friends got more people to use Hotmail. Do you see how that works? Yeah. It's a positive feedback loop. And we can model that exactly. And that became the new strategy in the Web 2.0 world, whether it's Hotmail, YouTube, or, or Facebook, or any of these things. Uh, was that strategy first I'm going to make a viral product it's going to satisfy the marketing needs it's going to get more people to use the thing second we saw that question about what you do once you get it in the case of YouTube's case you have to get bought out by Google but you know what are you going to do how are you going to monetize it well we won't worry about that but eventually something will happen hopefully and we'll get profit so so we're a little further along because we now don't have this huge capital investment for a Super Bowl commercial. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We get around it by right. using our users to act as marketers for us. Right. Right? But unlike other forms of marketing, okay, and this is really important, in the viral marketing equation, in the web equation, every step in that chain can be measured. 
uh-huh. right? I can tell you exactly how many emails were sent out by Hotmail customers if I worked at Hotmail. Mm-hmm. Or if you're on Facebook, I can tell you how many users have invited other people to Facebook. Right. This is a measurable quantity. And if I put a web bug on it, I can even tell you how many people read the email mm-hmm. that they saw. And I can tell you then how many people clicked on it, of them how many joined, the average size of the address book that they import and invite again. That's a loop. That loop is a, a, a first-order difference equation. And if you were to do that, if you were to map out that first-order difference equation, right, mm-hmm. the solutions of a first-order difference equation is like a solution to the first-order differential equation. It's e to the kt. Right. right? And in this case, we call it a viral coefficient. And, and on a simple level, it's this, okay? Mm-hmm. If, if a user brings in less than one other user, k is negative, mm-hmm. Right. So if our viral coefficient is less than 1k is negative, you have no growth. Mm -hmm. If a user brings in just a little bit over one other user, Mm -hmm. you have viral growth, right? Because it's k is positive and you have exponential things. And everyone calls this event the hockey stick in our industry. As if it like comes out of nowhere and they Mm -hmm. say it's nonlinear. It's a linear equation. It's not nonlinear. It's not not nonlinear. It's actually linear. It's just you tweak this variable and it goes up. So in this thing... In this world, okay, where we could accidentally stumble upon it in the case of Hotmail Mm -hmm. on on this positive feedback loop, turn it on, and we can find out that it's positive and go, right? Mm -hmm. But the key to this equation is, let's say we we build our site, or LinkedIn, and we build our site, and we do this sort of feedback loop, and we're not bringing users in virally right it's on exponential growth and the reason why is because their coefficient is less than one so when you say, so mm-hmm. yeah that coefficient is time dependent too right because at some point you get saturation yeah well there are assumptions that go into those equations which mm-hmm. mean that it doesn't go grow virally forever right if i'm hitting the same person again and again with the, the viral cell with the email, mm-hmm. then um, at a certain point I've saturated that, right. and then it goes linear instead of exponential. Yeah. Uh, now, um, so that is true, but uh-huh. for the state we're talking about, pretty much we're hitting about a billion people potentially yeah. mm-hmm. are on the internet or more, mm-hmm. uh, over a billion people, um, and you're you're. Uh, you you're you're a site of like a thousand people mm-hmm. effectively those parts of the equation that modify your your difference equation don't really exist yet at a certain point when you're at facebook size where you've reached a half billion people or wikipedia size where you've reached a half billion people um yes uh these equations no longer hold true but in general what i'm trying to point out is if you do this and you put it together and your coefficient is less than 1 right then you're it just peters out and you're so you're shit out of luck right uh-huh. since you can measure every point you can measure and test every point i can tell you exactly how many people drop off uh-huh. so i can do things called tuning and the way you tune it is this okay you go in and you change a smiley you you change the subject line so you put a smiley face at the end of the subject line, and then you find out the drop-off for a social network, a particular social network that I worked at, for that smiley face is 20% more people are more likely to read the email with the subject line with the smiley face at the end of it than without. And uh-huh. let's say your viral coefficient was 0.999 after you did all the thing. Uh-huh. Now it's over one. Now yeah. you're virally growing. 
You right. see what I'm saying? Right. You can, if you measure this stuff and tune it, you can improve it and make your luck. Uh-huh. You can, you can do that. That's the difference between LinkedIn and a Facebook or a, a Hotmail or a Friendster. In Hotmail, Friendster, and Facebook, in, in cases like that, they just did it, and from day one, their viral coefficient happened to be greater than one. They didn't have to start tuning until they reached saturation points later. Uh-huh. But for other sites like LinkedIn, they they went for years where not that many people were using their site. Right. And then one day they tuned it and boom, lots of people do. And uh-huh. I mentioned LinkedIn because actually LinkedIn did the same test of the subject line. They put a smiley face on the end and they found a drop off of 20%. So oh, it wow. went the reverse direction uh-huh. as as what happened at the social network I was from. Okay, because right? of a different audience. Obviously, right? right? Now, after the fact, you can say, oh yeah, of course, it's a more professional audience. They're not interested in the smiley face. Smile face looks like spam but this affects everything you see everyone's been joking about the obama emails and how they're like what's up or something like that in the subject line they're that way because they've been tuned because the people who've worked on the obama campaign come from my world they know about this tuning and they tuned it and tested it and these are effective they get you to read the thing they sound cheesy and maybe the comedians and late night make fun of it but they work and they work really well at bringing in the money or whatever Obama's trying to get you to do during that campaign season. And that's why they implemented it. We see those effects today. Like, those concepts are true today. And what I'm saying is, like, there are whole classes of companies now that this area, this concept of viral marketing, isn't some revolution. It may have been in 2006 where only a few people discovered it because not that many people approached web business in a rigorous manner. I mean, it's a first order difference equation. Anyone listening mm-hmm. to this probably understands the solution intuitively. They could probably map it out. It's like trivial, like first year calculus for most of them, maybe second year calculus for most of these people. But as engineers and scientists, they had to learn that and they know that. And, and it, it was easy, but people didn't apply that rigor, that scientific rigor to the mm-hmm. area that I worked mm-hmm. in until around 2004, 2005. So before that, people were accidentally stumbling because they had an intuitive sense of this equation. Mm-hmm. And then in around 2004, people started to ha- apply rigorous things and actually tune these things. By 2006, um, it was more understood. And then in 2007, Facebook created an app platform and someone published this knowledge. Mm-hmm. And now everyone knows it. And they... This is now like basically a basic understanding, almost a law in this industry mm-hmm. that if you don't test these things, you are basically not just flying blind, but you are giving up huge potential because the way these equations work in a positive feedback manner mm-hmm. are really, really dramatic because it is the difference between success and failure can be whether you or not your viral coefficient is greater than one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are some of like the more amusing or idiosyncratic ways of, of tuning these messages? And now I always felt from a moral standpoint that it's a little dangerous. Um, an example is uh, because of tuning, almost every major website out there puts the sign-up page on the homepage. And the reason why is because the loss uh-huh. of the step where people, uh, when they get the viral email, they go in and they won't sign up immediately. They want to find out more about the customer, mm-hmm. uh, about the uh, the site, yeah. and they click on the homepage to uh-huh. find out more. Right. And then somewhere along the line, they forget how to sign up. 
So then by putting on the homepage, people already know where to go and they have much less drop off on there. But at this, at that point, people haven't even used your product and you're basically trying to get them into the viral loop. That's a little suspicious. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. From a moral standpoint. Mm -hmm. But the, the numbers dictate that that should be done, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so putting that sign up not just a link to the sign-up. They're putting literally sign-up boxes on the home page. Like, go to Facebook, go to these major sites. Don't log in and look, and you will see sign-ups on the home page. It's viral stuff has has created those sort of things. And, and then also in these A-B testings, it could be the color of things. And it's very non-intuitive until after the fact. Sometimes right. you think... This color will work, and no, for some reason it looks like an ad to people. An example is that at WordPress, um, we don't put, uh, I shouldn't say we because I'm no longer there, but they don't put the sign-up on the homepage. They put a link to the sign-up because it, they, you know, Matt feels it's immoral to, uh -huh. to put it. But we once put the link to the sign-up page. It used to be on the right side. The cell and everything was on the right side. Right. And we just, we were... Going to test out some messaging, so we moved it to the left side before we did, and we doubled the amount of signups. Mm. Okay, that uh -huh. seems non-intuitive unless you saw it. Uh -huh. After you saw it, you started to realize what was going on. It being on the right side, kind of as a skyscraper, kind of looked like a skyscraper banner ad to people. Okay. And we've trained the internet has trained people to ignore long vertical things on the right side because they're ads. They're skyscraper ads. So they literally became blind to the fact that there was a sign-up, a link to the sign-up on the right side of, of the page. Just moving in the left side brought it to their cognitive attention and doubled sign-ups. So you never know what causes these things so until you test them. So serendipity that you found that? Yeah, we was just doing it uh, in preparation of it because it's, it was just... We wanted to test out the ads, and we were like, well, we should move it to the left side. And uh -huh. then all of a sudden, traffic doubled, and we are like, well, we need to establish a new baseline before we test out the messaging. So it seems almost like a fashion, you know, trying to predict what is going to call to attention. Well, I don't think it's necessarily it's a fashion, to? because uh -huh. a fashion implies that it's, uh, it's a vagary of, of, of taste. And it's not really a vagary of taste so much as it's a reflection of affordances. Okay. What I'm saying is, what an affordance is, uh, for anyone who needs to know, is it's like a light switch. You go into a room, you see a light switch, it, you know what it does, or you have an inkling of what it does without even having to think. You know, if you go in a room and it's dark, you kind of reach around for a light switch. Yeah. You don't have to think, you just do, right? Mm -hmm. And that is what, in the web world, is called an affordance. And what I'm trying to see is, there are a bunch of conventions and affordances people use in the web. In the old days, it was the back button, bookmarking, uh, blue linking, scroll bars, radio buttons. Now it's click to edit. It's uh, They expect uh, to to use, uh, to be able to edit in as a WYSIWYG, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to learning wiki text to edit Wikipedia, right? right? They expect these sort of things. And these affordances uh, are not fashion. Uh, okay. And in the same way, the reason why it didn't work is not fashion. It's because the internet has trained people to ignore a large vertical thing on the right just as long as they ignore a long horizontal thing in the middle of the page because it looks like a banner, right? Yeah. And the the guy staring at you, that banner ad in the Wikipedia last year, the person staring at you, and some of them are friends of mine, that person staring at you is much less effective 
uh, than the ads that are there there that are less intrusive today. Uh-huh. And the reason I feel that they're less effective is because they look too much like banner ads. And the new ad units do not look like banner ads. They okay. look like they're informative. They give you information about how we run our foundation that encourages people to donate right there, right there in the page. They're not having to click out of it to uh, a landing page somewhere else. Mm-hmm. It isn't a banner type cell. It's a cell that is embedded in part of uh, the a- action of using the encyclopedia. And I think that's why it's probably twice as effective. Mm. That is not an obvious thing. You want to think reducing, removing some person looking at you, which psychologically is very riveting to human beings out there, would actually be half as effective as a, a little line of yellow text at the top of the screen. Mm-hmm. Right? You w- No one would think that... Um, that the latter would be more effective, but it actually is. Mm-hmm. And it probably has something to do with why people go to Wikipedia. They're not there going there to be stared at by Jimmy Wales. They're going out there to get information, and having an informational-type banner is exactly along the lines of are, are, are the people who are looking at these things. Right. And the way we knew it worked is that same A-B testing okay. that goes on. It's... Just that the only difference is when we're at Wikipedia, we're not just trying to maximize revenue. We're also trying to consider impact, right? Right. We do want to maximize revenue because if we can do it, we can run the banners for a shorter time and get more results uh-huh. in, and not be as intrusive to the user because our job is not to make money off our users. Our job is to just give that free content to everyone, mm-hmm. right? Right. And in that sense... Um, you know, we do would like the money as, as much and as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. But in reality, our purpose is qualitative, not quantitative. We don't want to generate the money. The money is just um, something that is an indicator that factors into it. So uh, nowadays, we're not running the banner ad. And the reason we're not is because we're trying to be a non-intrusive. We're actually making a qualitative decision that overrides the quantitative decision mm-hmm. of making the money. Right. And these sort of factors affect the way we do things that is fundamentally different than, say, what um, what a Facebook might do in their determination of it, or a Twitter even. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a lot of ads now, right? Right. And uh, and you know their determination is really based around the money and the complaints people have about how Twitter is treating their developers or how Facebook is treating their developers and this, that, and the other are complaints that center around look you're focused too much on quantity and not 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 enough on quality right Mm -hmm. you're 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 cheating the very people who helped you reach the point you are well yeah but they're a corporation they're a business right right? they're not supposed to be good guys they're supposed to be sociopathic entities designed to make (laughs) money for their shareholders so of course they do those yes right yeah that isn't the way we work because the way we work is is like our goal when you say um, our vision statement is to what imagine a world in which every single human being can freely share in the sum of all knowledge when we talk about the fact that less and less people are editing Wikipedia every year uh-huh. when we talk about that we're not saying that our goal is to increase the number of editors right we're saying our goal is that because less and less people are editing Wikipedia every year, that probably means our sum of human knowledge is 
a major shortcoming to that goal of creating that sum of human knowledge. Mm -hmm. We don't want to create new editors. We want to create new editors who add content to that knowledge, right. who, who create meaningful differences. Um, if, if I wanted to increase the number of editors or anyone wanted to increase the number of editors, you'd probably put an ad unit on the top of it saying, edit Wikipedia, here's the edit button, and go vandalize the crap out of it. Uh -huh. But that isn't the purpose, right? So when we try to maneuver the editor number, we do it because editors or, or, or money or these sort of things are easy to measure, but our goal is a qualitative goal mm -hmm. of creating a better quality encyclopedia so and providing that quality of encyclopedia to more people for free because nothing is truly free. Yeah. So, so the more we can make it available to people for free in Think about it. Like for us, we are live in the United States or wherever, and we have access to that internet. But imagine you're in a third world country. Imagine uh, your only connection to the internet is a mobile device, mm -hmm. and you pay for every byte that goes on it. Isn't it worthwhile for the foundation to negotiate with cell phone providers in those third world countries to try to figure a way so that when they access Wikipedia content, they access it for free. Mm. That is a worthwhile goal. That is actually what a group is doing at the foundation, right? It's called Wikipedia Zero, working with those providers, mm -hmm. right? And there are decisions, there are tough decisions that have to be made when you do that because sometimes that may be in a country that doesn't respect human rights or whatever. And is it okay you know, for the larger goal of rights, does it mean that the foundation should never work with that company because they happen to be from a country that doesn't treat women right or something like that? Right. Uh, that's a very, very difficult question, and right. that's what the community is there to help us resolve, I right? See. It's not our job to do. Our job is to try to do what's in our mission statement, and it's our community's job to monitor that and outline whether or not th this is a good compromise because nothing can be done in an absolute sense. It's mm -hmm. an absolute goal, but it needs to know, live in the reality of what's achievable. Mm -hmm. And those are the sort of things that happen. Right. And we were just joined by Terry Che, Director of Features Engineering at Wikipedia. We talked about Web 2.0, social networks, and viral marketing. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. Make sure you see us on the web at www.groks.net, on Facebook and Twitter. You can email us at science at groks.net. Stay tuned here for more music. <laughs>